0: Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart to the Vancouver film and television industry. Namely, the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Ronnie Furminger. And today, I am so so delighted to welcome Nido to the YVR Screen Scene podcast. Here are a couple things you should know about Nido. The first is that Nee is a damn good actress. Like, steal scenes while adeptly supporting her screen partners. Good. In recent years, Ni nee has kicked ass as a straight-talking, gun-toting spy in the award-winning web series Narco Leap, sparked heartache and confusion for Mary Galloway's Abe and APTN Lumi's beloved Indigiqueer series Querencia, stirred hearts as a recently-arrived refugee from Vietnam who bonds with an indigenous family in Louisa Fung's Hope and Grace and sparkled, sparkled, I tell ya, as the lead in Upstairs Amy, a phenomenally funny web comedy from the team at Shaftesbury in which Ney portrays an accountant-turned-vlogger obsessed with her mysterious neighbor. And FYI, if my neighbor was Adila Dasani... I would be completely obsessed too. <laughs> Nee's credits also include wildly different roles in Watchmen, Unspeakable, and Hospital Show, and, as of October 1st, on Netflix's Maid. The second thing you need to know about Nee is that she cares about diversity and representation. She cares about how BIPOC communities are portrayed on screen, and she's cognizant of her own role in changing the game for marginalized actors is currently an ambassador for the Vancouver Asian Film Festival's Vibe Asian campaign. Vibe Asian celebrates Asian vigor and brilliance. And given what we already know, what I told you for that first point about Ni's versatility and dynamism, it makes perfect sense that she's an ambassador for this Vibe Asian campaign. So today, we're going to speak with Nee about her arsenal of roles, where these roles end and Ni nee begins, and what her VAF ambassadorship, ambassadorialship, what her big VAF title means to her. Nitao. Hi. Hello. Welcome to the YBS Green Scene Podcast. I'm so happy to be here, and I can talk now. You can talk now. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I like your podcast voice. Oh, you crazy. can talk now. <laughs> Ooh, what question should I begin with?
1: Oh, here we go.
0: Well, how about what role do you think the film and television industry has played in stoking anti-Asian racism or reinforcing racist stereotypes about Asians, Asian-Americans, and Asian Canadians.
1: Well, I think exactly what you're saying, like with representation, what we see on TV, what we see in movies really defines people's realities. Mm. It may not be your particular reality. So we're really looking at these sources of media as, as places to teach us yeah. And if they're teaching us stereotypes, then that's that that becomes that viewer's reality, Yeah. right? And maybe they weren't, you know, as we say, like a, a full-on racist. May but maybe they aren't. They didn't grow up in a community where they had a lot of diversity, mm. so to them, it's just different and it's strange, and so they're not sure how they feel about it because they haven't experienced it. But then, if you see something on TV or something in a movie, with, you know, obviously they're watching it because they like the storyline, there's an actor they want to follow. Yeah. So they have a basis of comfort in that. And then they see an act of racism or a stereotypical way of portraying Asians. That becomes their reality because they don't know anything else to compare it to.
0: Yeah. I think the Vancouver Police Department released a statistic in the last mm-hmm. year that's that. Illustrated how, you know, hate crimes against Asian Canadians has just like just skyrocketed. skyrocketed. Like it's like Absolutely. like three thousand percent or something. And that's I I don't think that's an exaggeration. I think they have gone up three thousand mm-hmm. percent. Have you been surprised by the by the hatred, acts of hatred that have been shown against people in our community, you know, because I like I've gotta say, like, I know a lot of people who are not who are white, who are not BIPOC, who bless them, they have been really surprised, mm-hmm. you know, by by what's been going on, you know, but then I to speak to a lot of BIPOC people and, you know, being a BIPOC person myself, there's like, well actually like racism has just been It's always been it's around. It's always been around. Yeah. yeah. So what kind of what kind of reaction have you had to the the increase in
1: in hate explicit expressed hate yes I think that's what I'm most surprised is how emboldened people are getting mm. right and I think definitely the pandemic has exasperated that yeah people are in a state of fear you know they feel oppressed and they need to take it out on someone and because unfortunately the virus originally originated in China that's kind of all that they're going with so they're just kind of continuing on their fear and you're right it's not surprising you know this is something that people are talking about for the last 18 months but it's something I've experienced my entire life
0: yeah
1: Um, I grew up in Victoria uh, which is a pretty smaller community than Vancouver and it's predominantly Western European and so Especially I've
0: heard people like my relatives from England who visit Vancouver Island or be like, "This is more English than England." <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I actually call it Britain Light. <laughs> yes, it is Britain Light. <laughs> it is. They, they're, you know, and I, and I get it. it's a very, it's a, it's a capital city. It's. a... Uh, People travel there for the tourism. You know, they've got the cobblestones, the horse-drawn carriage. The afternoon tea. The afternoon tea. It's delightful. <laughs> However. <laughs> However. They are carrying on some of the other long-drawn traditions. Um, yeah. Uh, now it's a lot different. There's a lot more growth in the city. But me growing up, there was a lack of diversity, a lack of representation. And so I felt pretty isolated. Yeah. So there was a lot of, unfortunately... And I don't think they were outwardly racist. They're just, like I said, a lack of understanding. Yeah. You know, kids don't know any better. They're just like, are you Chinese? No. Are you Japanese? No. What are you? Mm. And that, you know, as a kid that's already having a language barrier, it's like the worst thing you could say. You're just like, kids just want to belong. Yeah. Sort of like, what are you? It's... It's like I'm I'm a kid like you.
0: Yeah. I was just, I was just thinking, like, what are you could be the name of like my my memoirs at some point. <laughs> Cause I get asked that question, you know, all the time, less during the pandemic, especially with sunglasses on, then I can just, you know, have my mask, my sunglasses, and I'm like, no one asked me. You're no one asked Edo. me. But like yeah. I will like it's it is there is nothing more well there are some things more, but there is it's it's so othering mm-hmm. to go up to somebody, a person of color and say what are you you know and it doesn't stop with the kids right like yep. it's you know and there's like the sense of of these people being entitled you know Absolutely. to an answer you know and like yeah we carry the the echoes of that as we go on with our with our day and our lives right every single time we get asked what are you ni what
1: are you yeah and i just want to say i'm a fucking human being guys yeah. like <laughs> say it louder she's a fucking human being
0: she asked me before if she could swear and uh, I was like fuck yeah it's like this this is why VR screen scene podcast so I like that when you start to swear to swear it's fuck yeah yeah that's a, it's a good place to insert it what so I mean you've been a you've been an actor you've been an actor for a a while now, uh, and you've been navigating this industry um, as, a, as an Asian-Canadian woman for a while now. <laughs> Probably for almost as long as you've been an I actor. Yes, yes. Um, ha- I was gonna say, have you experienced racism? Maybe the better question is, what kind of racism have you experienced <laughs> in this industry? And also, what do you think that your white peers need to know about the realities faced by Asian-Canadian BIPOC actors?
1: Ooh, that's a lot to unpack.
0: <laughs> we got time. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> How much go. parking you pay for? We got some time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, for instance, you know, I, I started out in theater as well, and musical theater to be exact, and you know, you would go in, you audition, and they have this idea of like colorblind casting for theater that's much more prevalent than in film and television. Mm-hmm. However, um, you go in, you do your little thing, they're like, that's great. Um, you know what role would be really good for you, Nee? You should really check out Miss Saigon. No! Oh yeah. So what did that do to your dreams then? Well, it just made me feel like no matter how I see myself, and who I am as a person, all they can see is my ethnicity, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, and it's like, you haven't even gotten a chance to know me. Yeah. And you just, you know, you just saw what I did and all you can think about is my ethnicity. Yeah. Right. So yeah, of course it broke my confidence at times. And something about film and television too was, you know, when I first started out, there was no real casting authentically, mm. so everyone kind of just went out for everything. It was like, Asian role. This is an Asian role. But they weren't big enough roles where I feel like that character's background, that character's ethnicity and their story and you know their cultural upbringing would lend to the character. Mm. Unfortunately, they would be racial stereotypes like, the smart Asian, or the Asian exchange student, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. the drunk partying Asian, um, but in that a- That last way, one sounds fun. Yeah, she, she is fun. I, I would like to party <laughs> with that one. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, it could be, you literally could insert any other ethnicity, yeah. but I guess that was their answer to, okay, we need to like have some more uh, diversity, so we'll just throw that in, you know, tokenizing yeah. roles. Um, but in a way, it really helped me bond with the other with the other actors in the asian community because hmm. it was pretty small back then and we'd all go out and we'd be like oh hey you know oh did you who did you get that role last time you did oh congrats okay we were very supportive of each other because we knew the roles were so minimal
0: yeah so let's let's speak directly to your white colleagues then what would okay. you say is the biggest difference in, you know, between your experience and, you know,
1: what you observe their experience to be? The biggest thing for my white peers to understand is that it's, we don't have the same opportunities, mm. right? And that's something to keep in mind it's even now you know even when roles are being cast authentically I'm finding that you know I'm Vietnamese and the pool of Vietnamese actors is much smaller than say Chinese Korean or Japanese yeah and I've also noticed and this is something pretty recent in the last year is that you look at casting breakdowns and they'll say like oh this role is a Chinese woman and it must be played by Chinese actors only because we want to cast authentically. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. I think that's wonderful. But because that person's background, you know, their cultural background is going to really add to that character in a way that someone else couldn't provide. But it's not equal. Mm. I'm finding that Southeast Asian roles get cast with East Asian all the time. Yeah. And so it's, I, if, it's if we're going to cast authentically, I'd like, to see it both ways yeah you know
0: where do you think the change needs to happen
1: then? well i think unfortunately the way that north americans look at film and television is we look at it as markets right we look at you know you're always hearing like oh how did they do in the asian market how did that movie do so they're really appealing hmm. towards the countries that have the infrastructures for that like china korea and japan they're you know they've been around they the population is a lot larger they've been around longer they have the infrastructure and so it's you know catering to that so right you have a north american show that's got a korean you know series regular in there you know they're hoping to tap into that market and i wish that it didn't always boil down to dollars and cents Mm. that is like
0: the root cause of almost all the ills. Okay, we're no longer a film and TV industry podcast. I'll, I'll get the Communist Manifesto. <laughs> let's sit down. You know, I was just thinking about the picture of Grimes reading Karl Marx now that like she's yes. separated from Elon Musk. Yeah, uh, that was that's what sparked that. Okay, <laughs> so let's talk about this vibation. Mm-hmm. Feel the vibations. Um, and thank you for laughing when I did that before. Or at least chuckling or at least acknowledging. Because I was like... Whoa!
1: You gotta know Marky Mark. <laughs> you
0: gotta know Marky Mark. Come on! This vibration ambassadorship, like, what does it mean to you to be an ambassador for VAF, especially during its milestone 25th anniversary? I know. You know, and so far the the ambassadors that I've seen seen announced are Curtis Lum, yourself, and Hiro Kanagawa, friend of the podcast, Hiro Kanagawa. <laughs> you know, so like all, like these, you know, like. You are all, you know, stal- stalwarts and phenomenally talented individuals, and also vastly different—not yes. one kind of person, mm-hmm. you know. Hey, what are you? No. I'm an ambassador. <laughs> like, that's that why. <laughs> that's what unites
1: you. But yeah. So, what what does it mean to you to be an, a Vibesian ambassador? To me, it means that progress is being made. You know that. People are, I, I, you know, talk is rich. I want to see actions. And yeah. this, to me, is an action. Being able to see, like you said, a, a, a variety of different Asians representing different genders, different age. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah. It is reminding people that, you know, Asians is <laughs> a big pool.
0: <laughs> such a weird word, Right. You know, because like I'm Asian and yeah. you're Asian, yes. and my daughter, who amongst her many you know ethnicities is uh, Filipino and uh, South Asian, uh, she's also Asian. Yeah. You know, there's so many countries that make up Asia. Yeah, it's a it's a <laughs> massive continent, people. Yeah, so many cultures, so many experiences. You know, I it's it's just it's a such a silly word almost
1: it you is, know yeah. that like
0: to to try to categorize you know like just like the the
1: breadth and depth of you know cultural and geographic experience right and also right? understanding that you know it's like there's a massive difference between asian canadians asian americans versus asians from asia oh, right yeah. it's it's vastly different me and my cousins are so different our yeah. completely different upbringings that we may look similar but you know such
0: a different sense of self as well I would assume you know growing up you know in a more um homogenized yes you know culture where you're walking around and you know you're probably thinking I mean I I know that there's self-doubt and insecurity like everywhere you know but like what you're not like Poss- possibly constantly thinking about like aware of the fact that oh somebody's gonna ask me what are you mm-hmm. you know everywhere you go you know and yet in so many parts of the world as well they hold hollywood media you know up so highly Absolutely. as well Wow. Uh, sorry for the silence and the trail of like, you know, dot, dot, dot. Uh, but like, that's just, I'm just I'm amazing myself with how profound I am sometimes.
1: Well, you know, there, <laughs> is, there is, though. There's such a, yeah. st- even within like Southeast Asia specifically, there's such a stigma against darker and brown skin, oh, which is yeah. unfortunately part of, you know, you know, if you're growing up in Southeast Asia, you know, I I, I don't know, genetically you have darker skin because it's hot. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I just but they obviously love to have lighter skin because to them it's a sign of wealth. Yeah, right.
0: Yeah, and a, a lot of people do incredible damage to themselves to yeah. lighten their skin in multiple countries in, including India and the Philippines and I I find that so heartbreaking too because it's it is I feel an impact of colonialism as well it's completely imported yep. you know this idea that um i mean even even in a more like you know 21st century lens oh the media you know that we've seen from hollywood for the longest time you know are fair people or light-skinned people so mm-hmm. we want to if if we're going to be considered beautiful or desirable yeah we're going to bleach our skin
1: and it's insane, yeah. and it's so common. It's yeah. just like your auntie would just come up to you and just be like, so you're going to do that, right? Or- yeah,
0: Fair and Lovely is a huge product in, in India. <sighs> I'm, I don't know, I have my hands up like I'm holding yeah, the yeah. box.
1: Yeah, <laughs> she's just displaying like, it right now. But there's like,
0: see, but. you know, these billboards, you go through, and they're like Bollywood Stars Fair, lovely Bollywood Stars, mm-hmm. you know, holding the, these boxes, and they're advertising it, you know, to to the masses. And yeah, you can completely internalize that. You know, you can't completely internalize that. Myself as somebody who is biracial, you know, so yeah. go to India and like, you know, I have my, my auntie saying in front of my cousins, so, Oh, Sabrina, you're so fair. Like it's a compliment. And it's like, but it's it's just genetics. It's you know? genetics and it's nothing at all.
1: You know? Yeah. And I mean in my family too, it's like I am darker skinned naturally compared yeah. to my sisters, because it's a genetic Thing, yeah, you know, you, not everyone looks exactly the same. We all know. Yeah, and yeah, I remember. I definitely was. You know, my aunties were like, "Ooh, look Ugh. at you! You're so dark. When are you gonna get your skin bleach? When are you gonna change? Your When are you gonna do your nose surgery? Like, it's not a matter of if; it's when. Ugh. You know.
0: Wow. You know what I love about this conversation that we're having is how nuanced. It is, mm-hmm. You know, it's not just about that. Oh, we're identifying that racism exists, you know, like that. We're talking about the impact that that Hollywood has or that, you know, our upbringings have on on how we see ourselves and how other people, you know, see themselves in the world. And my God, I do hope that these conversations are, are happening in all the right places. And I love that we're having this conversation in part because of your ambassadorship. Yeah yeah exactly. I love that. I am feeling the vibration the vibration. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um we're about to do some time travel to go back in time to your childhood, okay, right. which is always something that I really love to do. But before we we get into that f- fully, I want to talk about watch you watching television or film on Vancouver Island. As a wee little knee, <laughs> uh, and and what what representation of of quote unquote Asian people, you know, you saw, you know, at the time, like it because I just think it's also cool as somebody who's been immersed in your work for the last few days, you know, to see to see you on screen and like the just like the the array of roles that you're playing. I'm not going to say they don't have anything to do. With your your cultural background and your ethnicity, because it's all part of it, you know. Yep. But you know, it's also like these roles, like you're a spy and you're <laughs> like a, a badass. Um, well, maybe not. She's not super badass. She wants to be badass anyway. Amy, you know, <laughs> <laughs> she totally wants to be badass. She super wants to be badass. <laughs> um, you know, like how important it is to see, to see the roles you and the roles that you're playing now. You know, and how how you probably didn't get to see people playing roles, you know, the kind of roles that you're playing now when you were a little kid. Like, So is that, am I I right in my assumption?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, English is my second language, so most of the time I didn't really understand the exact words that were being said, so you can imagine. You know, as kids watch, I'm making up the stories in my mind based Mm -hmm. off of what I'm seeing. Um, And, yeah, the only representation I saw was Bruce Lee or Jackie Chan. Like, those were the only two that I saw. Yeah. Until it was like I was a teenager, then, you know, Lucy Liu came along and I was like, oh, wow. Because when I was a kid, I actually thought to myself, I was like, wow, I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be an actor. Mm. Because no one's thought of that yet. (laughs) Because I thought, if someone wanted to do it, then I would see it. Yeah. So, I'm gonna be the first. Hmm. How exciting! I've come up with a brand new idea. And obviously, I wasn't. It just, there was just no room for that back then. Or they were just in, if there was Asian representation, it'd be in just these minor, minor roles. Like, I remember, I think it was at breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh. Oh, and I was like, "What is, what's going on? Like I didn't understand, Yeah, we're talking
0: about some of the worst um quote unquote, yellowface, yeah, you know, to ever appear. And there's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot there's a lot in ho- the history of Hollywood cinema, but I think so it was Mickey Rooney, yes, in Yellowface in a film, that is still considered, you know, this one of the most beloved, yeah. you know, cherished, you know, examples of classic cinema, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of that has to do with Audrey Hepburn, you know, being so fantastic. Yes, But it's, so what, you have to have a cognitive dissonance when you when you watch it? And like, you know, people are just like pretend, or they talk past the fact that Mickey Rooney is in fucking <laughs> yellow face, just being just so
1: yeah, I, you know,
0: it's uh, such a disgusting caricature.
1: I don't want like history to be redacted. Like I yeah. don't want, you know, that's the one thing about like I don't want the movie to be cancelled. like, oh, don't watch it because you know, it has yellow face in it. What I want people to take away when they see movies like this as time capsules mm. right? as to this is what it was like back then. Mm. Look how far we've come. Yeah. Let that never happen again. Like hopefully never, we can never. Ever. Yeah. Let's learn from the past yeah. and move forward for the future. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's not about guilting or shaming or, or you know, ignoring or it's yes. real. It is about prevention.
1: Yeah. It's not about yeah. ignoring. And I think that's the biggest thing. It's it's that happened. Yeah. You can't ignore it. What you can do is change it or do something about it, acknowledge it. Yeah. That's the, I think the first step in change is acknowledgement. Yeah. Okay. So I've decided
0: the point in time that I want to go back to. Okay. I want to get to know the knee a little bit better who was watching Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan and then Lucy Liu. I was like, I want to do that. You know, <laughs> T- tell me more about, about that version of yourself.
1: Well, like, I I mean, I was, I grew up watching movies and TV shows. It's how I learned English. Yeah. Okay. So give me some specifics. A huge fan of Back to the Future. Watch that inside and out. The Indiana Jones
0: series, you know. I didn't ask you what your time travel vehicle of choice would be. No. I, Yeah, so I'm assuming it's DeL- the DeLorean then. clearly the
1: DeLorean. Clearly the Clearly totally. a DeLorean.
0: I love that DeLorean was one of the first words in English that you must have learned then if you're watching Back
1: to the Future. I knew that movie so well and that when they would play it on TV, you know how they um, – Bleep out the swear words. Yeah. I would be like, "Oh, I know what he says there." To my, my, and I told my mom. My mom was like, "What?" I'm like, "They bleeped it. I don't know why they do it." He says, "Son of a bitch." <laughs> my mom was like, "Don't say that word in public." It's okay, and I was like, "Oh, but Marty McFly says it." <laughs> like I was like, "He can't do any wrong." <laughs> I love those fantasy, you know, yeah. adventure movies. Like, I know Indiana Jones Temple of Doom is not. A fan oh. favorite, but I so little love it it's
0: okay. So there's that me with the co- sitting there with the cognitive dissonance, right? Because like there's a part of me that you know, growing up in the '80s, I love Temple of Doom, mm-hmm. you know, because there's specific scenes where you know, like they're in the they're 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 it, they're in the mine and they're in the cart and it's oh, like a yes. roller coaster and stuff. I right? always wanted that to be a yeah, and yet at the same time, for a lot of people. You know, that's what they thought India was like, I you know? know? And I remember having to be at school being like, no, my people don't eat snakes Yes, or, or chilled monkey brains. Yes. Um, most of them don't eat meat, mm-hmm. and they load apartments, and they have toilets, and they don't need Indiana Jones to come to save them. I didn't know what a white savior was at that point, but yes. <laughs> that never sat really well. But then there was the other part of me that I still, those movies, they, I mean... You're talking about some of the, the peak action-adventure films of all time. Yeah. You know, really transportative, you know, especially for, a, for myself, a bullied kid at that time, like to be able to just pretend
1: yeah, and for, <laughs> to have an adventure, right? To have right? an adventure, and also to see, you know, the character of Short Round. Oh. I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, the way Indy talks to him is like a peer. Yeah. He respects him. Wow. Huh. You know, and so, yeah, it's interesting because obviously, from an adult's gaze, you really see all the problems. But yeah. from a child's gaze, it gave me so much hope. And, you know, and huh. he helped, you know, the young Maharaja in the caves and stuff and helped the kids yeah. band together. And so, I, you know, he played a, a great role. He wasn't just a sidekick, he was doing so much yeah. right there beside Indy. And so,
0: I, I feel like that's. Um, that's a great thesis, like, for, like, a, a Ph.D. paper, Ooh. or like, Masters, you know, looking at, you know, the role that Short Round played or the career of that actor. Oh, yeah. You All know, because, right. like... Right. He al- Scholars. Yeah. Because <laughs> he also was in Goonies uh, yes. as well, which is another problematic movie that I also adore from that time. <laughs> so, you know, so how old were you then when you made that declaration to yourself that you were going to be an actor? Oh,
1: I, I mean... I was school age. Yeah. I remember because I felt so free to be myself when I did school plays. So our our school would always do little plays. Yeah. Uh, There would be like one school, or I guess it was like assemblies. Do you remember school assemblies?
0: Yeah, I, before COVID, I would go in. Volunteer for assemblies oh. at my my child's school. So yes, they still do assemblies. Such
1: a good parent.
0: I try. I get volunteered for things that I find out after the fact. Oh, that's called voluntold. I was I get voluntold by my child, but that hasn't happened since COVID. Um, but yes, no, they still
1: they still do assemblies. Yeah. So we would do these little plays that each class would come up and present. There was never like an overarching theme yeah. that I can remember, but. I remember every time we did it, I felt so free. Hmm. and I felt like I could really show myself where I was really shy yeah. as a kid. I, I could, you know, if a teacher called on me I and, you know, like, oh, what's two plus two? You know, I know the answer, but I could barely hmm. vocalize it.
0: But when all eyes are on you on
1: stage... Yeah, where I wasn't, there was no pressure or judgment as to who I was, because mm. I'm playing a character now. Yes. I felt so free, and I thought, wow, this, this is like, I want to do this all the time. When you
0: first started then on your path, officially, not in the school assemblies, but officially, <laughs> officially. even though I know you took those seriously, so you know,
1: <laughs> res- respect is being paid. Heart attack. <laughs> yeah.
0: What kind, of, what kind of career
1: did you envision for yourself? Wow, I think at that point, I just was so happy to be doing it. And because back then, you, I wouldn't be going out for the leads. The leads were always like, A, already cast, or B, they were looking for someone who was white. So I never, I just, back then I was like, I just want to be acting full time. I just wanna make a career, be respected and and that's kind of was the limit because that's all that was given. Yeah. That was the possibility, you know? Yeah. Tell me about your first time on set. Ooh, my
0: first time on set And did you set. make any did you make any mistakes?
1: <laughs> okay, so this wasn't my first time on set, but I did <laughs> this is my first time on a feature. Okay. 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 So it was for Watchmen. Uh huh. And
0: um, that's a bit. That's not. That's not a scrappy independent feature film. (laughs) Kind of a big deal.
1: And I was. I was still. I was young. I you know fresh out of school was. Wait, that was your first feature? That was my first feature. Yeah. That's intense. It it was. It was amazing. It was such an amazing experience. Everyone was so welcoming and so lovely and. I just I felt they were also very collaborative. So, you know, I go up on set, and, and you know we're we're there. I haven't even gotten into like hair and makeup or wardrobe, and they're like, oh, the AD's like, oh, Zach wants you on set. He just and I was like, okay,
0: Zach, <laughs> Zach, which Zach are we talking about? <laughs> oh, Zack
1: Snyder wants you on set. I'm like, absolutely. Here we go. Here we go. And I was like, oh, I'm not ready. And it's like, no, no. no they just he wanted me on set just to say hi. And, and to welcome and to show the set and to say hi to Billy Crudup, who would be acting with me. And so Billy, it was like, it's the nicest thing anyone's ever done. He he went up, shook my hand, he's like, you must be Nido. And I was like, <laughs> you know? I'm like, Yes, I am. Oh, hello. You know, you just don't expect that. Yeah. So it was this.
0: Well, you this should thing. expect it though. I know. That kind of treatment, but. It doesn't always happen. It doesn't always We've happen. We've heard you know, that you hear, a lot on here. You hear
1: yeah. the horror stories, right? Yeah. And so I was just ready to be like, okay, I'm going to show up, do my job. And they were just so welcoming. So my big mistake Uh-oh. that I made. I mean, yay. That's kind of what I want to hear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm getting... <laughs> le- so uh, we're doing a rehearsal. And they, they were... Te- so this was filmed in the wintertime. And they had a the the bottle i'm supposed to smash a bottle yeah and slice the comedian in the face and give him like his signature scar that he wears for the rest of the movie uh-huh so it's cold so they're telling me they're like okay so you know we only have a few of these glass bottles the sugar oh, glass no, right oh no i'm stressed out already and they're like so <laughs> you know we're going to and I, I they told me this so for her rehearsal we're going to use a real bottle. But I guess I had so many, I, I was so nervous. There's so many things going on. They're like, we're going to rehearse this scene. They gave me a real bottle for rehearsal. <sighs>
0: Their mistake. Their mistake. <laughs> I,
1: said, no, I mean, they—they they told me. I mean, maybe they shouldn't have given me anything. I'm
0: trying to give past you some grace.
1: Okay, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and what do I do? I toss it aside. <laughs> oh. So we're rehearsing the scene, and it's not breaking. And I'm like, oh no, I don't want to look stupid. Like they said, it would be easy to break, and so I just smash. And they're like, Cut! oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so embarrassed. And Jeffrey Dean Morgan says, Oh, she means business! Woo! Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so I... They were like, Oh, but they were so gentle. They were like, Oh, oh niece, so th- this is a real glass bottle. We'll, on the day, we're we'll giving you the sugar one so you don't have to smash this. This is just a prop. And I was like, Okay, I'm so sorry. I mean... It's a
0: funny story. It's a funny story. It's also adorable, though. It's potentially
1: dangerous, like very
0: dangerous. <laughs> Especially you, and you're much tinier than everybody mm-hmm. around you mm-hmm. as well. And you're smashing a bottle and Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who plays some of the most terrifying characters you're ever gonna see on screen, <laughs> is like, "Wow, you mean business." I mean, that's also like, damn, that's a great story too. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I also love talking comedy with funny people. And then we end up having these totally not funny conversations about the anatomy of funny. But, like, do you, like, is there a secret to being funny? And, like, what do actors, like
1: non funny actors,
0: get wrong about being funny Mm. or performing
1: comedy? Wow, the words that come to my mind when people say comedy are tears of a clown. Mm -hmm, (laughs) I mm -hmm. think if you, there's, I think it's it's all together, right? In the sense that like, you can't have comedy without drama and mm. stakes, right? You can't just take all that away and say, oh, I'm just doing comedy, so nothing matters. It's the opposite, actually. Yeah. What makes things so funny is that it matters so much. And I think that's why some of the best comedic actors are also incredible dramatic actors. Mm. Look at Robin Williams. Yeah. Right? There's so much pathos, there's so much. I mean, I think that's what it is, it's pathos, right? You can craft, and craft. Craft. So much craft. You know, there's a, a sound to comedy. There's a pacing. There's a you can hear it. Yeah. But it it's that combining the specificity of those dramatic beats. It's just doing it cranked up. It's yeah. it's amazing to watch.
0: So it's not just about coming in and being zany. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if only it was that
0: <laughs> we also have hand movements that yes. oh, listeners yeah. <laughs> can't see but the very zany hand, mo- hand movements <laughs> so of all the roles that you have played who has been the most like you the most knee that we've gotten to see Oh, has it man. been the bottle smasher from, from <laughs> the well if you ask my husband
1: I <laughs> don't you know I do with tempo <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did smash that bottle <laughs> you did you did um the one that's most like
0: me and see, I asked that differently than where have you felt most at home? yes, right
1: yes that's I think that's where uh that's where the struggle is, <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> have you played anybody on screen
0: that you felt has? Represented who you are, as
1: Nido. Yeah, I feel like when I did Hope and Grace that you Mm. mentioned earlier.
0: Yeah, that's the that's Louisa Fung's short film about the Vietnamese refugees who moved to Canada, have a rough go of it at the beginning, and bond with an indigenous family.
1: It was, you know, even though it's not my story it's more my parent's story right because mm. they came over there uh, i felt it, it made so much sense to me it was me being able to sp- maybe speak a truth i didn't know i had because huh. right because i cuz i was the first canadian like first born yeah. in canada in my family so i was very like growing up especially growing in a very westernized culture i was very at odds with my culture, mm-hmm. right? It was like, and, and this is pretty common for most, gen- like first generation. Yeah, it's like uh, the
0: ballad of of the diaspora.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where do I fit, right? You because you especially for all those people being like, where are you from? Yeah, <laughs> and you're like, I uh, here. Yeah. Here. What are you? You know, and yeah. so you're all you're like one foot in between each world, and you're like, where do I go? And so it was a way for me to accept, you know, who who I am, where I come from. And, mm-hmm. and it was this truth that I always struggled with as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: there was a sense of familiarity. Yeah. Then. And maybe something in your blood memory awakened. I yeah, think so. Well? I,
1: I think that's what it was. It was, it felt right. And, yeah. and easy is not the right word, it, yeah. but it felt like I was just, like I said, like, finding my truth, like, speaking the truth that was already in me. It was just coming out. Yeah.
0: Besides Amy, my favorite Nido role is Mandy.
1: Oh, and yes!
0: From, from uh, no, This character, and that's another one. Go to the footnotes. Find the link. Go watch this on YouTube. This This character uh goes on quite a journey over the first two uh or two seasons and i think i already spoiled it in the intro she's a spy she's a spy she works for nicole oliver <laughs> She's amazing. <laughs> There's like this whole scene where she's she's talking to to Chelsea Reese's character and she's like, you know, putting her gun together and like she's just so badass. What were some things that you got to do on Narco Leap that you hadn't had the chance to do on any other show? And Further to that question, were you thinking about Lucy Liu when you were doing that? Because now that I know that, I can totally, I can totally like draw a line. Yeah, you, can you know, as that. well. Yeah.
1: Uh, something, uh, things that I never done before with Narcoleep, I guess, or even never,
0: and never felt before in a role.
1: Well, I mean, so right, I played Mandy, right, in season one, and she's this big flirt to uh, Madison Smith's character. And then in season two, you find out I'm a spy. Now, that wasn't always the case.
0: Mm.
1: So Kate Green approached me before season two started and kind of pitched me the idea. She said, we might be going this way in the storyline, but we're not sure yet. Would you be open? And I was like, "Uh, fuck yeah. (laughs) I would love to be a spy. Amazing. And, you know, it ended up working that way. Yay. And and it works that way. It does, but something I didn't realize was that they were gonna make her Vietnamese, hmm. and that part, you know, that was gonna be a part of her storyline too. Hmm. So that's never happened to me, hmm. you know, in that way where someone's like, okay, we're gonna write, we're gonna develop your character, completely change it, and also honor where you came from. That's Kate Green. Yeah, and John Cooksey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: I have I have a lot of uh, love and respect for for Kate and for that project and it's so inventive, such a wonderful use of our local talent. A lot of bravery as well being like one of the first productions to come back, you know, oh um gosh. after the pandemic. Can you tell me a little bit about that experience, you know, yeah. because that was pretty like that was you were one of the first productions to we were, absolutely. to come back and I and I know that there was like a big push to get funds for covid safety because that was you know top of the top of mind for everyone involved yeah so what was it like ste- stepping back on set after the world
1: shut down it was really exciting. I think we were all so anxious, eager, and also felt so, like, what a privilege we're all here, mm. right? So we just had this buzzing energy of, let's do this. Let's um, do this, but not too close. But not too close. <laughs> let's do this. Over there. <laughs> Put your mask. <laughs> We've, I felt completely safe. They yeah. were. That was built into the scheduling. They yeah. were so organized. You know, Kate, uh, Amber Orchard, and the whole team. Yeah. They were very cognizant we did film in a house and so anytime in between doors open they cleared us out um but it was so funny we were all bonding on set because you know when was the last time you wore shoes (laughs) yeah it was weird to put on shoes wasn't it (laughs) we were like oh i'm wow my feet
0: are tired they're really killing me This is so weird. (laughs) We're doing something other than watching Tiger King and eating sourdough. (laughs) That's, I mean, that's how, that's how, I mean, that's, it feels like such a long time ago, you know, as well. And yet, same pandemic now, but, you know, it was, it was such a, it was such a different, a different time. How has the pandemic and, you know, all of the, all of the safety precautions that need to be taken on set, um, and also in our daily life. But specifically on set, you know, how, how has that impacted your acting at all or your craft, you know, or your breaking bottles or whatever you need to do? <laughs> whatever your process is, <laughs> me,
1: I'm not going to judge, kind of judging. Always <laughs> judging. <laughs> Saying I'm not judging. Always judging.
0: But it goes both ways. Please judge me. You are. You have been. It's good. It's fine.
1: <laughs> I'm cool with it. I think... The pandemic, I don't know if it's directly impacted my craft other than I know that everyone is even more excited to be on set. Hmm. And that's like across the board. So that hasn't group. gone away then since Narco i No, I've, yeah, I think that was like a touch of anxiety as well. because But like I feel now like people feel, you know, they're getting COVID tested. Like they've got the process down right because you know how you, everyone had to come up with their own uh, COVID safety protocols yeah. and so it, it, it feels like people have like nailed down the protocols people feel safe people feel good but I do feel like there's a sense because the production gets shut down yeah. that there's a camaraderie it's like we're a team yeah you know so we're gonna be safe because it doesn't just affect me it affects you
0: oh yeah you do not want to be the person that shuts down a
1: production ugh yeah, and why? Why did you do that? Because you wanted to go to a party, or you know what I mean? It's yeah. like it's just there's no way to cut it that makes it okay.
0: Yeah. Before we get into favorite things, mm-hmm. I do want to talk about upstairs Amy.
1: Oh yes.
0: <laughs> and upstairs Amy was produced by Shaftesbury, which mm-hmm. is like you know the the this venerable company, I believe based in Toronto, yes. that is the the. Team behind like the fifteen seasons and counting Murdoch mysteries, and you know, and and you know, so they got into the the web series web content game with like this awesome. Honestly, like I was not feeling very well on Friday. Was it was a Friday. It was Friday, and um, Nee sent me. is was like, oh, you might want to watch watch your, here's upstairs, Amy. And like I just I watched it all in one sitting, and I felt so joyful. Uh, and it's fun because like every episode is like. It's, like
1: Five. It's, like, under five they're, minutes. They're, like, yeah. yeah,
0: they're, like, yeah, between, like, four and five minutes. And, like, the, the casting is great. It's so funny. I mean, Amy is neat. <laughs> so <laughs> it's amazing. And then, so this character of Amy, though, like, she ends up, she, she's called Upstairs Amy. Because I think her place gets flooded. Mm-hmm. And then she, like, they're she's moved to, like, the... Like, she's moved to an upper floor of the building, her, her and her family, uh, while the apartment gets, uh, the condo gets renovated. And um, while she's upstairs, you know, she discovers, like, that her neighbor is this very, like, gorgeous, mysterious, so you know, cool. confident um, woman, Kavya. Uh, and Diana is, like, famous for naming characters, like, <laughs> amazingly, because names <laughs> matter. So Kavya, played by Adila Dosani, um, who, you know... Uh, a lot of people know from being one of the Bobsy Twins Absolutely. on Nancy, Nancy Drew. Drew. And she's also going on to other amazing things uh, as well. Um, but, you know, so Amy, now being the upstairs Amy, decides to reinvent herself. And be and even though she's an accountant, she's also a vlogger. And the big mystery of her life that she's trying to solve is, who is Kavia? What's going on? What's going on next door? And it's hilarious. It is amazing. So, what did you learn about yourself as an actress and as a human being being... The titular Amy being number one on the call sheet, you know, uh, and doing this, doing this show, which has like, you know, hundreds of thousands of views and has like a really great sponsor in Walmart. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a
1: big time sponsor to have. <laughs> it, it was, yeah, I mean, I think when it happened, it, it was also like my first time uh, shooting a production outside of Vancouver. So there mm. was that into there. It was exciting everyone that they organized an incredible team like you were saying Adila and I were the only two from Vancouver and we're actually on the same plane no way yeah and we kind of she noticed my binder and I noticed hers and we were like are you are you are you (laughs) and we're like yes and then we both confessed we're like okay so I googled you so (laughs) I knew what you looked like
0: I love that you go through the farce of of Mm -hmm. pretending they don't recognize and then you both
1: admitted it. We're like, yeah, no. And it was so funny because all the Torontonians were like, oh, did you know each other before? We were like, Vancouver's not that small. (laughs) But we do now. So we're friends.
0: (laughs) And also Vancouver is that small. I
1: know. But we we had to put up a front. We had to defend ourselves. Uh, But yeah, it was, like you said, the episodes are 4 or 5 minutes there's 20 episodes and we shot that in 6 days. No. Yes. What? Yes. Wow. It was insane. We had over 800 setups and I think I was in all of them except for 3 800 setups. Yeah, it was crazy. In the little the little the little strips. That's what that's what the first AD told me. Wow. And so that was to me that was a test of being so prepared. And if you've watched the show, you know Amy talks a lot. For every word I'm saying now, she probably speaks five or six. Yeah. And so.
0: So you have to come, you have to be on your game. You have to have.
1: I just had to be so prepared all the time. And it was, yeah, and you were, I was on set all the time, you know, when they were setting up for the next scene, I'd run to hair and makeup to get changed the next and then you go and you you know and luckily we did uh, a rehearsal you know I had a whole day of rehearsal blocking out everything ahead yeah. of time so that on the day we could just film we had two cameramen they were amazing hmm. and they were they're actually DOPs as well so they had that eye and that flow and yeah. that free moving and that's the thing about comedy right it's so alive yeah that you want to capture everything and so
0: yeah it almost sounds like you're doing theater As well, you know, when you talk about the rehearsal, like, and it's almost like it's not like you have a lot of opportunity to do a bunch of different takes or, you know, really take your time to figure things Mm -hmm. out. It's like, nope, we're doing this. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Well, that, that, I think when I watch it again, I totally will watch it again. It'll become one of my happy shows that I watch. (laughs) I need to, but I I will watch it with that kind of eye. What is a knee? do
1: role? Ooh, what is a knee do role?
0: When are you the happiest in a role? What needs to be present in a role for you to feel the most free? I just asked that
1: question three different ways. I I like it. I'm taking it all in. (laughs) (laughs) Variety is the spice of life. (laughs) You know, people have different learning modalities, so it's (laughs) good that you're saying it differently because different words resonate with different people. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I think for a role to really excite me is that I can see a character's struggle and journey. Mm. Like, I can see it. Or I can see that it's a potential yeah I think that to me makes me puts me in my happy place yeah because I think that's the most human everyone has a journey everyone has a struggle and so when you have characters that are dimensional yeah that have that you know and it may not it doesn't have to be explicit it doesn't be like x y is it you know sorry I was supposed to say Z, but yeah, he says Z. I know, the American <laughs> I couldn't commit. I couldn't commit. Who am I? American or Canadian, decide. <laughs> what are you? I know, I'm doing. What are I, you? I'm doing voiceovers now, and it's all about the American, mm. right? So I'm like, is <laughs> I'm like, Z, what no. do you think they're going to do? They're going to like, what'd she like, say? Oh, no, it's fine. Oh, it's fine. She's a Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm like, it's okay. I get to be me now. I can say Zed. Zed. Zed, 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 Zed.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't know. We have a lot of listeners in Europe. What do they say Ooh. there? Oh, oh you just look, look very confused all of a sudden. Okay. I'm going to look that up. <laughs> <laughs> While you do that, what is a role that you would have read for at the beginning of your career that you, that you won't read for anymore or that you refuse to read for mm. anymore or do those roles even exist for you?
1: I think I don't go out for those roles anymore, but I know they exist still.
0: Yeah. So what kind of roles are we talking about?
1: Yeah. I think uh, back to what we were circling back to the beginning of our conversation. Unfortunately. I like to do that. I like to do that. That's good.
0: But I did promise you favorite things. So we are going to play favorite things.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um, Tokenized roles that don't really, you know, like you were saying, that perpetuate stereotypes that are more harmful, you know, and that's out of laziness, really. Yeah. So, you know, if it's just gonna be Miss Saigon, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the, the, yeah.
0: Gay, the gaze of the American GI yes. looking at at you know Vietnamese sex workers, like for so for so many people that, and for so long, that was their one idea. Oh, I know. Of, of of who and what a Vietnamese woman was. Oh yeah, I got asked. Uh, oh, what's what is the propositioned
1: yeah love you know love you long time
0: oh oh yeah 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 so you don't go out for those roles anymore so are you not going out for those roles anymore because you have explicitly stated to your team i don't want to go out for those roles or
1: are we seeing fewer and fewer of those roles both i'm gonna say yes to both yeah yeah no it's exciting that those roles don't exist anymore because I think they were put in for you know cheap laughs yeah. and or some sort of gratuitous action scene or sex scene you know yeah and I think audiences are getting smarter and they don't want to see that they want to see reality yeah instead of these shorthand things yeah what is
0: a role a type of role that you haven't played yet that you would love to play?
1: Wow, that's good. I mean, Narcoleep definitely Hmm. checked off that spy. I was like, yes, I've always wanted to be a spy. Got to play a mom. I play moms a lot.
0: Oh yeah, Upstairs Amy. Yeah, she's a mom.
1: should have an answer to this <laughs> it's
0: okay if you it's okay if you yeah. don't
1: are there any kind of rules that scare you i think only ones that you know like i was saying those ones. those scare me yeah if i still if i see them then i'm like why is that here yeah yeah i just i feel like the age of storytelling is changing people are now interested in hearing other people's perspectives other stories and that excites me. Yeah. You know, seeing things from different perspectives is really important instead of just like one. Yeah. What do you think
0: 11-year-old knee would think about where you are right now? What would she think about vibation? What would she think about Narcoleap and Upstairs Amy and all of the other awesome work that you've had the chance to do? That or that you have commanded for yourself in the last few years.
1: <laughs> Eleven year old Nee was still finding herself. Yeah. Yeah. She was not that super shy girl that was like whispery, but definitely struggling. I think it would give her hope. Hope that she didn't realize it yeah. was possible. She'd be very excited. She'd probably say something like, oh no, not me. Hmm. You mean someone else.
0: Yeah. Well, yes, you. And you're about to play Favorite Things.
1: So I feel like there should be like, <laughs> some music like for Favorite Things. Like,
0: <laughs> favorite Things, there we go. Uh, so Favorite Things uh, is a special feature that was originally developed by my then nine-year-old, now 10-year-old child, Mari. Hi, Mari. Shouldn't have listened to this episode, or actually. Stop listening. There's too much swear words. No, I'm um, sorry. F- f- fuck, I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> basically, I ask you some favorite things. Okay. And then you tell me. All right. Yeah. Don't think too much, but think a bit. You know, you don't just—it's not a word association like type thing. Like, yeah, it's kind it's of an like actually a game. Yeah, no, and I know you do that, but it's kind of, like we want to get a little bit more insight by talking about some other stuff. Well, you want so. a bit of
1: my heart? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. <clears throat> Favorite song to sing alone in the car?
1: Uh, probably something by Depeche Mode. That was an unexpected answer. Oh, okay. All right, yeah.
0: yeah. I, and I like the unexpected answers. Um, do, are, do you like to sing? Is that a thing you like to do? I do, I do yeah. like to sing. Nothing from Miss Saigon. Yeah. Okay. Boycotted. <laughs> Favorite Vancouver shot series, past or present, that you haven't appeared in yet?
1: Oh, I like the yet. Yeah. Past or present. You know what show I loved? It's no longer on. I loved Motive. Yeah! It was such a great show. That was a great show. Yeah. Can't believe you weren't on that. Well, and Louis Ferreira and Kristen Lehman, like the chemistry, they were Yeah. yeah I just, I loved it. And the team, the, the Dennis Heaton, the Rob
0: LaBelle, like mm-hmm. there were some good people behind the mm-hmm. camera. Damn it. <laughs> I'm upset. <laughs> you get to see you on Motive. Yeah, I love Motive. Okay. Um, Favorite
1: midnight snack?
0: Oh, I'm a total chip monster. Okay, give me some favorites. I love chips.
1: <sighs> uh, Crunchier the better. Yeah? Yeah, I like kettle chips. Oh. They have this new flavor. It's ripple cut.
0: Yeah, ripple cut now. Whoa, hold on. A ripple cut kettle chip. Oh, yeah. Can't even say that. Mm-hmm. Ripple cut kettle chip. Extra ripple cut crunch. kettle chip. Ripple cut. G- no, can't do it. Or maybe they call it crinkle cut. Maybe they... Crinkle cut kettle chip. Crinkle cut kettle chip okay yeah that works that works truffle sea salt no oh yeah yeah so that's fancy like i'm sorry (laughs) like that sounds amazing and i would totally eat that with some hummus or baba ganoush but when i also like the chips that i love are like the trashy like i'm in it's like 1 a.m 7 11 yeah i gotta i gotta watch some like i don't know what's some trash i've been watching I don't know, below deck or something, whatever. And if you get—you can't eat truffle
1: chips when you're watching. All right, like, all right. Like, okay, so if I'm trash. at Seven yeah. Eleven, I'm probably gonna get a Pepin chet, Okay.
0: Yes, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Nice, nice. I like all dressed chips, and I like ketchup chips. Mm, um, yum. And uh, yeah, I'm—I also really like extra spicy Cheetos. And my mouth—I'm sort of salivate talking I about it. I love
1: Cheetos. Yeah, yeah, I love the spice. You know, I also—I'm a sucker for corn nuts.
0: Hornets are good. Corn nuts. Wait, you're you're friends with Gigi Saguiero, right? You bet. Yeah, so because <laughs> I actually think in her episode, her episode when she did the podcast, we talked about like extra spicy Cheetos for oh yeah a good she, four minutes. She loves it. Yeah, it's that good. Yeah, it is that good. Favorite screen
1: partner. Ooh. You know, I'm gonna have to say my husband.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I Gay mean, Rae that's Carter. fair. Gabriel Carter. Uh, yes. We yeah, recently actually, featured in a, a po- we I did a podcast episode of the podcast about a podcast mm-hmm. That's Ghost Town Killer. Ghost Town Killer. Well, killer? killer. But killer. Killer. <laughs> Fantastic podcast. So when when and how and what? What have you worked together?
1: Basically. <laughs> so okay. So it's so funny. So we just. We, we we finished a feature in Sudbury earlier this year uh, called Dormouse. Oh, oh yeah, it's a, in Sudbury. In Sudbury, it's a punk rock film noir thriller directed by Avin Jogia from Vancouver, a s- star of Ghost
0: Wars. And yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, Whoa. And what? Oh yeah. Sorry, there's Whoa. a lot to
0: put together. <laughs> so you and Gabriel. Yes. In Sudbury, yes, which is very far north, Ontario. Um, oh, sorry, I'm sorry. You said it was a post-punk film noir thriller yeah. directed by Avan... Avan Jogia, yeah. Avan Jogia. I don't know why I can say it. I, I love him. <laughs> <laughs> He's maybe so talented. Why, maybe that's why I love him so much. I can't say no. his name.
1: Wow. That's amazing. When's it coming out? Uh, I mean it's just I feel like they're finishing posts so it's going to be ready for a festival run next year. I mean, you you'll come back
0: to talk about that, right? That's amazing. Oh, if
1: I'm invited. Yeah. Is this a pre
0: invite? It's a pre, yeah. I mean, once Shall you're on the I podcast, RSVP? you can just always can come back. All right. You can even be like, I want to come back. I'm doing phone hands. Like, Do people call each other on the phone anymore? Anyway, you could call me on my phone. I will answer. <laughs> or we could text each other and okay. you'd be like, I want to come on the podcast again. I'll be like, great. You'd be like, don't you want to know why? I'm like, no, it's totally fun. I gave you that an invite. Okay. This is my daughter's favorite question. If you listen to the podcast, you know this is her favorite question. So I'm just going to ask it favorite animal? Cat. Okay, end of episode.
1: (laughs) Do you have a cat? I have two cats. Tell me all about them. Oh my gosh. All right, well, we're here for another hour, friends. That's fine. Okay, so first cat is named Roadhouse. Oh, that is a baller name. (laughs) He's a big old gray cat. Okay, so. I'm picturing Patrick Swayze. (laughs) Yes! That's exactly why we named him that! Yes! Okay. So we got him from the SPCA and he was. uh, Adopt, don't shop. Exactly. And uh, he was a little stitched up from a couple of cat fights in Chilliwack. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, But I'm still picturing Patrick (laughs) Swayze
0: as a cat. Yeah. And that's dope. Wow. He's,
1: He's. He's jacked. Yeah. He's,
0: he is. He's a muscular boy. I'm like, oh, my God. But he can also dance like Patrick
1: Swayze. Oh, he's yeah. so graceful. He is. He's actually really graceful for his size. So we have another cat named Noodle.
0: Okay.
1: That's not a Patrick Swayze rule. No. no. And the reason why is because she's she's only like six pounds, but two Aww. years old. Oh, yeah. She's she's definitely the little runt in the litter. Yeah. But when she stretches out, she looks like she has this long noodle body. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, I'm gonna show you a photo, which uh, by the time we um, by the, by the t- I will put this on on uh, the Instagram for why we're a screen scene podcast. This is a photo I took of Wade Wilson today.
1: Like <laughs> oh all stretched oh my gosh. out. <laughs> like a he's noodle body jumping. Is that like an action shot? He's lying, oh, down. He's lying down. He's all oh, stretched see. out.
0: Oh that He's is a sweet. noodle body. Yeah, that is a noodle body. And I don't know about you, but every time he stretches, I have to say big stretch big stretch yeah Uh, we could actually talk about uh, cats Mm -hmm. all day long hi Wade Wilson hi Vanessa hi ghost Stan who continues to haunt me and I hope you do forever Um, ghost cats ghost cats yes do you do you ever get like what the fuck this is actually my life moments and if so when do those happen for you I mean, other than right now, where you're know, oh, my God, I get stuck about my cats on a podcast. That's
1: great. I think they happen in, you know, you'd think it'd be like in these big sort of arenas that you would feel it like, oh, my gosh, there's a lot of buzz, a lot of excitement. I find that I get those, oh, my gosh, moments in the quiet moments. Yeah. Yeah, the most quiet ones where I'm probably by myself with my thoughts, and I've had time to process kind of Yeah. everything, and then I go... Huh. Yeah. Yeah.
0: She's smiling. (laughs) There's some joy there. I was listening. I'm like, I don't know if the voice is conveying the joy that I see on your face. Yeah. But there's joy. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank oh. you so, so much for coming into the studio today to speak with me through this plexiglass. Oh, thank
1: you so much for having me.
0: Where can our listeners find you, follow you, celebrate you? On social media, not in real life.
1: Oh, please, yes. No
0: IRL, okay? Mm-mm.
1: No stakas, please. Yeah.
0: She's been studying Gigi's films, okay? It's like she knows. <laughs> <laughs> she knows how to, how to deal with you.
1: <laughs> uh, you can follow me on Instagram. Yeah, uh, It's at... Nintendo, kind of yeah. like Nintendo, but my first name N H I T E N D O. That's rad. Well, you know, okay, because my first name's Nee, mm-hmm. my middle name is Tan, but spelled differently, and my last name's Do, So we say it pretty quick. Sounds like Nintendo, like Nintendo, yeah.
0: It's pretty rad.
1: And I love Nintendo. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Favorite games of all time.
1: Okay, so this is what I got into during the pandemic. So when I first, like the only console I ever owned was the original Nintendo, which Yeah. never beat that game. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: Wait, it, do you mean nothing can ever beat that game or you never beat I, that game? <laughs>
1: I never beat that game.
0: But didn't you find though? You there were like there, the levels where you could like you go in like in
1: uh 2-1 No, spoilers, then, no, spoilers, ah! no, <laughs> I it was 1980-whatever. Yeah, I'm determined to finish this game one day. One day I'm going to get that console back and I'm going to finish it. Because I'm a completist.
0: <laughs> so, okay, I want to tell you what Jeffrey Linz told me in like 1991 when I actually did finish
1: the game. Oh, you did? I did. Wow. Okay, so so then you know that that controller has no joystick. It's a D-pad. Yeah. It's up, down, left, and right. Yeah. So... All of the new game consoles now have a joystick. Mm-hmm. So I I'm, can imagine. I was so bad. So my husband thought it'd be really funny to introduce me to Resident Evil 4. You know, with the zombies and yeah, you're yeah, running yeah. around. You don't have enough bullets, so you just have to run. Yeah. And so I'm trying to run with the joystick and shoot. And so I'm. he's like, aim for them. i like... Oh, go up. So then I'm looking in the sky, and he's like, "No, oh, go down." <laughs> and then I'm pointing to the ground, and I'm like, "How do I get it level?" <laughs> and I'm also panicking. Like these games are real for me, so yeah, I'm, like, I'm screaming. I'm like, ah! <laughs> like you know, <gasps> so during the pandemic, I was like, you know, I need to, I need to calm my brain, my anxiety. I should play some games. Yeah, because then you know, so it, it's you know, there's little, there's little achievements, right? Oh, you did that, goal achieved, right? Mm-hmm. You feel like you're progressing <laughs> when the reality is you're stuck inside and nothing is progressing. The world has come to a pause. Your
0: sourdough is rising. That's oh it. yeah, <laughs> oh yeah,
1: good call, good call. <laughs> so, I th- Batman, Batman Arkham City was amazing. That's
0: not what I was thought you were gonna say. I was totally ready for you to say Animal Crossing New Horizon, and then oh. I was gonna say Animal Crossing New Horizon 2, as well not no. two there's no sequel yet okay uh, uh, cause that like during the early days of the pandemic like I got super into like building going from a tent to a one room house to a bigger one room house I guess
1: house, I'm pretty that. aggressive I wanna yeah. fight you wanna fight that is
0: <laughs> so so are you able now to do more than just look at the ground and look at the sky and scream
1: <laughs> yes I can I can fly like Batman that is so rad oh I did Tomb Raider I did it all I, did, I played Prince of Persia And I and I, Gabriel's
0: not laughing at you anymore. He's not. No Mm. one's gonna laugh at me.
1: And never laugh at you again. I I I finished games and it was like the best feeling. I'm like I understand why people love games now.
0: Yeah, you really do need to go back and finish Mario One.
1: I I I think I'm ready.
0: Yeah, I think you are too. I think you are too. Um, And there are ways to do it now. Like they have like you could buy like those 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 consoles that have like like they're little and they have like a hundred games on them and you can get like the old like I've retro controller those. and yeah
1: all right well let's wrap this up so I can go do that okay no. okay okay <laughs> like subscribe <laughs> no. leave us a
0: review thank you so much and uh, yes and everybody go over to uh, my Instagram account at Sabrina Arp to see a photo of my cat stretched out like a noodle okay. That's it for today. Yay. And uh, <laughs> I love that I say something like that. Then I'm asking people to like and subscribe and to give me five stars, no less. But please do. And please leave us a review. Those help us find even more listeners. And then we can have even more conversations like this. And we all want that. Find us at www.yvrscreenscene.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at YVRScreenscene. The YVR Screen Scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me. Sabrina Arani Furminger and it's edited by Simon Furminger Special thanks to Mariana Furminger for recording our Patreon ad to Paul Furminger for technical support and to Dane Not Furminger Devil a poor, poor Not Furminger Dane for the original music Weber Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene And cut! This ad begins with a story about an important but largely forgotten piece of Hollywood North history, the fish flight. In the 1980s, the fish flight was an early morning flight from Vancouver that delivered fresh fish to Los Angeles before the start of the business day.